Hi everyone, welcome to a special podcast edition of Film Illiterates. Actually, we're going to cut this music. This music sounds way too epic. Uh, Let's switch it up a bit. All right, there we go. Something a little bit more lighthearted and whimsical. So hey guys, uh, this is uh, Nathan Stone, or that guy with the hat. Um, And I'm joined here again by your two favorite hosts of the show, Joe Campbell from Drizzly Gray, Washington. Say hi, Joe. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Joe, the the dude. He's he's the dude, you know. The dude. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we have also here in uh, sunny San Diego, Alex Patton. Say hi, Alex. Hey everyone. Hey guys, so really cool, you know. Like uh, we're kind of switching it up today, as you kind of noticed. So I'm gonna lead the discussion today because what we're gonna be talking about is something that is really dear to me and I find very interesting: animation. But in particular, we're going to be uh, talking about animation because of a certain movie that is going to be coming out. Sausage Party. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Unfortunately, (laughs) that is not what we're talking about. We're actually talking about the new Pixar sequel that's coming out. I know. We're all really disappointed. We really wanted to talk about Sausage Party. Well, this podcast is kind of a sausage party. Oh, all the time. All the time. (laughs) Like, you have no idea. But uh, yeah, we're going to actually be talking about Finding Dory, the brand new uh, Pixar sequel that's coming out. And in preparation for that, uh, we'll be revisiting some classic Pixar movies and discuss how far Pixar has come. And not just being a pioneer in animation, but also being a storytelling engine. But uh, as always, before we get into talking about that, uh, we are going to talk about what we've watched this past uh, few weeks. Uh, As a ritual, we always do this. So I'm going to start around with the room with Joe. So Joe, why don't you let us know what uh, you watched this past week? Well, uh, three movies movies I'm going to choose for today. First one is Hush, which is a Netflix horror film that came out within the past few weeks, I think. I'm a really big horror fan, so I'm always interested in checking out the new popular horror films and hush has been one that's been getting some fairly positive reviews at least at least from at least from the youtube view- reviewers that i that i follow typically so i thought ah what the heck might as well check it out and the premise is it's a it's a home invasion movie where the the, the person in the house is a deaf woman and there's just a psychotic killer who's trying to get into the house to kill her that's just the, the entire plot of the movie basically but the movie plays with the gimmick of the fact that she can't hear so she has to figure out other ways to outsmart the killer and it's not very good very very cliche home invasion film there were plenty of moments where i felt like all right the movie should be over right now but they're just making the characters incredibly stupid so that they can prolong the movie because if the character wasn't this stupid then there would be no movie (laughs) and i mean I mean, I mean, with 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 crazy psychopathic killer movies like this, I can buy the idea that they'd be going easy on the person because they're just trying to play with them, toy with them like 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 a cat with a mouse. But there gets to be certain points where you're like, all right, now you're just being stupid for the sake of stupidity, not because you're a serial killer just playing with your prey. I mean, just kind of thinking about it, it almost sounds like it could have been a silent film, you know, since you can't hear anything. And just I was honestly really hoping they would do something like that. And they they play with that a couple of times, but uh it could have been a really cool experiment 
experimentational, whatever, experimental movie mm-hmm. where, the, where, where the whole thing's silent, except for maybe you can, you know, hear vibrations from when she feels vibrations and that kind of stuff. It could have been a really cool idea. And the movie itself, it isn't terrible. I mean, it isn't really even bad. And it's got a few good moments. But for the most part, it's just kind of a generic home invasion movie. Huh. Well, you know, you hit or miss. Yeah. yeah. The uh, second movie I'm going to talk about is The Usual Suspects. And I, this is my second time watching this film. First time I watched it was in college, actually, where it, it blew me away. And I'm, I'm not going to spoil the ending here, just just let everyone know in advance, because that's kind of the, the, the big thing about the movie. That's mm-hmm. kind of this twist ending. But uh, watching it this time, and it, it was interesting because I still really like the movie, and it's a great movie. I, I didn't love it as much as I did before. And I think part of that is watching it through this time, I'm starting to realize that for most of the movie, it's just a very, very well done crime film. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do a whole lot to elevate it above that until that ending. And I think that ending is why everyone remembers this movie so well is because mm-hmm. it does come kind of out of the blue. The whole film is about misdirection. Mm-hmm. And that made such, such, a, such, such a huge impact on viewers mm-hmm. that they're willing to kind of overlook the fact that the rest of the movie is just kind of a overly complicated but well done thriller and on top of that kevin spacey is fantastic and this was back when kevin spacey wasn't as mainstream as he is now yeah he was doing a lot of weird films back in those days <laughs> yeah and, and this was the same year that he did seven so he's it was kind of a one-two punch for him mm-hmm. and uh, uh his performance is just fantastic in this movie that ending is fantastic. Uh, but for, for most of the movie, I was actually kind of surprised at how eh, I was at it. I was like, oh, this, this is good. I don't see why it's great until that ending comes. I'm like, all right, well, that's why the movie's so great. Yeah. I mean, there's several movies out there that are kind of like, you know, pretty basic as far as the genre picture goes. And then, you know, they have that wonderful ending that just kind of is a power punch. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And then finally, the last movie I'm going to talk about is a movie that. I'm sure no one here has seen or probably even heard about called For Tanya's good reasons. Island. <laughs> yeah, it's called Tanya's Island. It's a uh, 1980s uh, art house exploitation film. Is the, the the closest way I can I can think of it. Basically, um, it's it's a movie about a woman, and she's she's an actress in commercials. But she's in an abusive relationship, and so to kind of escape from this abusive relationship, she imagines she's on an island with her abusive boyfriend, but he's like slightly less abusive in her fantasies. Only slightly. And she develops a a romance of sorts, uh, not really a romance, but like a friendship with this um, ape creature on the island, and it becomes like some weird... Uh, love triangle between her, her abusive boyfriend, and this ape. Uh, and the film tries to be kind of artsy and try to be a meaningful film about uh, mankind and our animalistic natures and our tendencies and how uh, animals can be more civilized than we can and blah, 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 blah. The movie is really just to have a woman walk, walk around topless and on an island for about an hour and a half. Man, it kind of almost sounds like the uh, alternate, like R-rated version of where the wild things are. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's interesting yeah. because this came out the same year as Blue Lagoon, and I'm wondering—I I don't know the exact release date—but I'm wondering if it came out because of Blue Blue Lagoon, and just trying to be this kind of weird, artistic, experimental kind of thing. But in reality, they just wanted to have a woman a woman walk walk around topless for a while. It's it's so bad, guys. Joe, Joe, are you insinuating that 
studios back in the day would spy on other studios to steal their ideas? No, because that's never happened before. By the way, we're talking about uh, uh, Pixar films, right? So what about um, Finding Nemo and Shark Tale, eh? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Both of them seem pretty original. <laughs> Very. So anyway I, 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 anyway, I like watching B-movies. This is just one that happened to come on my radar because I saw it mentioned on uh, Trailers from Hell, actually. And I just <laughs> like, ah, whatever. You know, I just, just found it online. And it's, this, this isn't one of my prouder films that I've seen. Huh. Nice. You, you forgive and forget. Mm. All right. Uh, I'm not going to forget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to forgive it either. <laughs> yeah, as you shouldn't. All right, Alex, why don't you go next? Uh, what did you watch or listen to or did this past week? Um, I actually saw a few movies. Uh, I, I saw uh, The Jungle Book in theaters uh, about like a week or two ago. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. It, it, I feel like that. It's a, it's just really, it's like it's a crowd pleaser movie. You know, it's nothing too really. Um, it's nothing too great, but it's not terrible at all. The the, the like the CG and the effects are, are fantastic. On that. I, I think I think that's really the standout of the, part of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna say oh yeah i was gonna say of all like the recent like live action remakes they've been doing of disney classics it's probably Mm -hmm. one of my favorite actually because i saw this movie too and as far as like just you know a good adaptation of it it was good it was good but i won't steal your thunder keep going oh yeah no I, i i agree with you yeah it's definitely a good adaptation it's like there's nothing that's like there's nothing terribly wrong with the movie but it's just kind of uh not that like i said not, not that great either um the voice acting is always fantastic mm-hmm. I, I like that uh bill murray was a perfect fit um and then just everyone else the rest of the cast is great christopher so I, walken I was happy to... you know christopher oh, walken as king louis maybe maybe for maybe except for that i don't know oh come on like... he was the best <laughs> he was the he best was... He was great up until he started singing, and then it kind of <laughs> got like a little. No, that's weird. what made it like fantastic for me is listening to Chris Walken <laughs> sing. I, I swear, like I roll, I kind of rolled my eyes while I was watching the film at theaters. Like, oh no, why, why are they doing this? <laughs> Can I just but, say uh, that that the whole King Louis sequence was so wonderfully bizarre that it was my favorite part of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was yeah, my favorite I'm, part because. I'm I'm just imagining Chris Walken like in the room when he signed the contract. He's like, "Look, I'm not gonna do this movie unless I sing the song." It's it, it's incredibly out of place, and I think that's why I loved it is because it stands out like a sore thumb, and it was hilarious. Yeah, I guess I guess it does have that. I mean, the the rest of the scene was 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 great. Like the whole, I guess, fight between uh, between all the monkeys mm-hmm. that was really cool to watch. Um, cool. Man, just that singing. I, I, didn't, I, I wasn't a fan of it, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, other than that, I watched a, I watched actually a short documentary. Well, not really short, but I watched a documentary on um, the pro tournament of Magic the Gathering. And this is this is a game that I've like I've a few friends that are really into, and so they've been trying to get me into checking the game out. I'm, just said no until I tell until I watched the documentary and it's uh, the documentary itself is okay it's not really that incredibly engaging unless you're already you know interested in learning about you know uh, about magic the gathering and specifically about the pro tour it follows a few of the um, 
of the top players and just kind of their um, journey from, you know, from kind of one of like the qualifying tournaments, I guess, to really the, you know, the number one tournament, trying to get, trying to be the best player out in the world. Um, and it kind of you know, gives a little bit of backstory on, on their, uh, you know, their journey from, you know, where they were, you know, where they, when they started out playing Magic um, to where they are now. And it's got some like really high profile guys, a few, uh, like one or two of the um, like Hall of Famers, and then just a few of the other guys that are really like, you know, trying to push it and, and make it there. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent documentary. If, you, if you're interested in checking out Magic the Gathering, um it's pretty cool to look at and but as far as like an actual you know rating it on the actual film itself it's it's just okay okay but um the the last movie i saw is a great one not really but it's uh the (laughs) do-over that's the new adam sandler film um i watched ridiculous six a while ago uh i think joe joe you nick and i all, all decided to watch it and then as soon as this one came out, we, we, we did the same exact thing. Wait, I don't know why, but... Wait, so you guys had like a, a group gathering for the do-over and I wasn't invited? What What the heck? <laughs> Not really. We just decided, we're like, hey, Joe and Nick were like, hey, we're going to watch this. I'm like, hey, sure, I'll watch it too. So we all watched it separately, but it's... <sighs> it's just a terrible film. What, what can Sorry. you expect? It's an Adam Sandler film, you know? I know, but like... See, Ridiculous Six was terrible, mm-hmm. um, but at least Ridiculous Six had like I felt like had a quick pace and had like some like sight gags and stuff like that. And plus, it was like had an old west set, old western setting, so it was at least cool to look at, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but with with the do over, it's just it's so boring. Yeah, there's like there's just so many like cringy parts in the film. The acting is just terrible. It's the story is terrible the everything is terrible um but i mean it's it's one of those films that i feel like it would be a lot more fun if you got a group of friends together and you guys kind of like all just sat down and watched it just, just poked fun at it yeah the whole entire time it's it's not really a movie you don't want to watch by yourself no it's one of those movies you definitely not, riff not to death ride. it's a movie you riff to death if you could exactly exactly yeah that that is that is specifically it um in, try, in oh, trying yeah. to decide whether whether or not Ridiculous Six or The Do Over was the worst film, the the, mm-hmm. the the only criteria I could come up with was that well, The Ridiculous Six it has more jokes, but they're all terrible jokes, and it has a a uh, shitting burrow. Uh, the yeah. Do Over doesn't have a shitting burrow, but it it's just so lifeless, and Adam Sandler looks so sad, like he just does not want to be there the whole movie. <laughs> He he's kind of had that look for the past like ten years, from my understanding. He just has it's so that. depressing. <laughs> All right. See, well, and also while while the ridiculous six has a shitty burrow, what makes the do over worst is Luis Guzman falls. That's not a. Oh, mm-hmm. he had to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's what makes it so terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> well, it sounds it's a like bad you, movie, yeah. yeah, it sounds like you had yeah. a wonderful movie experience. Well. I guess, oh yeah. <laughs> I guess that comes down to me and what I watched. I watched Angry Birds the movie. Why? <laughs> uh, why? Why did why? you pay, spend money to go see that? 
Why did you give them your money? Because we were going to do an animation podcast and nothing looked good in theaters that I hadn't seen already. And so I was like, I'll go check this out. Uh, This is one thing I'll give the movie credit for. For taking an online phone app game about shooting flightless birds at pigs because they stole your eggs and making a movie out of that. I have to give the studio credit. I mean, they gave something. It's better than what it could have been. I'm, it's not better. I'm not saying it was great. Um, but no, it's it's kind of, it was just a very, very disappointing. I kind of went in for just a real cheap laugh. And I was kind of laughing in the beginning. And then slowly afterwards, I was like, okay, it's birds farting fireworks and exploding and <laughs> potty humor. And yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Go ahead and slap that on the poster. It's better than it could have been. It's better than it could have been. <laughs> although, although, although surprisingly, I, I, I have heard uh, more positive reviews for this movie than I was expecting. I was, I was, I was expecting it to get absolutely slammed, but uh, surprisingly, no. quite a few people seem to enjoy it. No, like I said, the studio tried. They actually, there is a, a story there, and it is quite decent. And the voice acting is not bad, actually. I mean, you had a good cast. It's mm-hmm. just, like I said... They they weren't dealt with good chips and they yeah, kind of yeah, had yeah. to make with they, what they had. Yeah, I mean, pro- yeah, like, like you were saying, like props to them for taking mm-hmm. pre- almost like nothing and turning it into an actual movie. Yeah. Um, but still, it's not what I'm really looking to, to see. Oh yeah, and I, I don't really recommend it. Really, it's it's kind of like I said, it's one of those movies you have to wait till it comes out in a red box and just just riff it to death. Yeah. It's interesting. They're also doing a few. Um, I know at least one more of like just like turning an iPhone app into a movie. They're doing Fruit Ninja. Oh, they're doing yeah. the, emo- the emoji movies coming out. <laughs> Why is that? A with a bunch of little poop emojis just like walking around with the happy faces. <laughs> I give this movie one poop emoji out of five poop emojis. <laughs> kind of reminds me of like the pop star um, trailer. It's like. He's looking at the Rolling Stones review of his albums, like and he gives a poop emoji out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's say mixed reviews. All right. Well, I think that kind of uh, sums up what we watched this past uh, week. Now on to our topic. Let's talk about Pixar. Yay. So um, I think with uh, all three of us, you know, we kind of are considered the Pixar generation, you know, it, it first started back in the 90s yes. and kind of has evolved like 20 years later. I mean, kind of think about it. It's still a relatively young company, only like 20 years since their first film. But um, it, it, for all of us, you know, whether you like animation or not, or if you're not into it, everyone has a favorite Pixar movie. So I just want to kind of go around and ask each other, um, what are some of your guys' favorite Pixar movies? My favorite Pixar movie we'll actually be talking about later on in the, in the podcast is, is uh, Up. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but but then after that, it really flip flops for me a lot. Incredibles was my favorite uh, Pixar film for a while. It's mm-hmm. it's still up there. I love Toy Story three a lot. I I'm actually one of the few people that thinks the Toy Story films get better with each movie. Oh yeah. Um, although, although it, it, that's not really saying much because I, I think all three Toy Story films are near perfect films. So mm-hmm. it's like saying they get better isn't really saying a whole lot there right. at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Up is, is, is my favorite. And I probably say that, uh, 
Uh, Incredibles is probably right under that, and then Toy Story 3. Yeah, I think for me, yeah. if anything, um, is kind of really, I, I won't go into too much since we'll be talking about it later, but my favorite actually, surprisingly, was Finding Nemo. Um, originally, it was Wally when it came out, but then I had to really look back on it and say, yeah, Finding Nemo, it's got to be my favorite of all the Pixar films. Even the more recent ones, I think for some reason, Finding Nemo just like is a good hallmark movie just in general for Pixar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. Um, for me, I'd, I'd, my favorite I'd say is probably The Incredibles. Um, I, I find it, it just has a great blend of like, of action suspense and then you know it's pixar so it's got like it's got all the feels but um i'd say other than that it's i, I really like toy story the original one that's mm-hmm. i mean that's a movie that i grew up watching i think that's i think that's actually the first movie i ever saw in theaters when i was a kid wow really you see that yay yeah because that, that was that came out the year i was born nice but um yeah, so that was the first one I ever saw, but it's like, I'd probably say that, and then I honestly, I know a lot of people don't really like the movie, but I like Cars. It's cool. Yeah. I like it. The music's great. I like the voice acting. The story's like, it's predictable, but honestly, it's still pretty fun. No, yeah. I, I still enjoy the ride. And that's wonderful thing about Pixar as well, is that, you know, regardless of if they have a hit or, you know, a miss, granted they have not had that many misses to be honest you have to look at like their track record every film that they do they raise the bar and they push it and you know it's kind of interesting in a market that's heavily defined by disney you know pixar has kind of really branded itself and it's really successful at what it does um and i think all of us you know know exactly what the pixar brand is we can just look at one and we just know what it is i think even just internationally and in our culture it's kind of just put that staple on everything. Um, but like, what do you guys think makes Pixar so unique other than just being like one of the very first CGI animation studios to come out? Um, I think one of the things that I think definitely sets them apart from a lot of other animated films is um, their movies can watched by, by everyone. You know, of course it's animation, so kids are gonna love it. Kids are gonna love the characters and the stories and whatnot. But it's also got the kind of like the heavier, more adult and mature themes that um, that adults are going to really kind of connect with and relate to. And so, you know, adults can take their kids to see, you know, these, these films in theaters and really enjoy them themselves. Yeah, well, well uh, uh, one, one of the things that I think I think makes Pixar films work so well for the most part is their creativity mm-hmm. um, and their their their, origi- their originality mm-hmm. and, and and I'm talking about taking the uh, the, the sequels that they that they've done out of, out of the equation they've done a really good job of coming up with very original stories or at least taking well known stories that we've had for ages and ages and putting them in an interesting new setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember as as being a as being a kid once upon a time I was a child once. Oh, and where are you? I, I thought you were just brought down by the aliens, Joe. I was, I was Hellspawn, yes. <laughs> and and I used, I used to play with toys, and I used to make up in my head movies with my toys, and I give them all characters and names, and have them play around, and they all go on adventures and, and such. And then Toy Story came out, and what do you know? That was the same thing I was doing. I mean, that was back. I would have been what four years old when Toy Story came out. Mm-hmm. Maybe at that age, you know, you used to play with your toys and. To kind of make make them go on adventures and everything. Yeah. yeah, Monsters Incorporated, the Monsters Under Your Better characters. Mm-hmm. That's a unique thing we haven't seen a whole lot of, unless you count what is that movie, Little Monsters? 
yeah we don't talk about that movie but i see where you're going joe with that that's kind of cool yeah because what's really nice about pixar as a company and and they've said this many times just their co-workers and all their employees is that it's an environment that's really open to creativity like if someone has a good idea they'll take it and they'll they'll expound on it and they'll help you build it like they're so open to it and that's why i think you have such great stories coming out is because there's just that high level of you know imagination that is always there um and in a way i kind of feel like this has influenced their competition like you kind of look at disney nowadays like now that john lester is like you know the ceo of both pixar and disney you know he has like workers from pixar going over to disney and disney people coming over to pixar and they're influence each other and you can definitely see that in the kind of stories that they've been you know releasing recently from everything from wreck it ralph to zootopia um even just like tangled you know just like you kind of feel like there's a bit of the pixar magic touch in all of those i wouldn't say though that it's like it's nearly on the level mm-hmm. as disney yeah disney's definitely still branding itself differently in fact i think one thing that sets disney apart is i've noticed this is that disney uses a lot more pop culture references like they'll incorporate a lot more of those yes. in their films i mean if you look at pixar uh everything about it is original like there's nothing i can think of that you know they put in their films that you know would depend on something relevant in pop culture although they do put a couple of brands in there especially in the first toy story movie which actually is a great segue because we uh we watched three pixar movies um this past week to kind of prep us for the conversation and uh one of the ones that we watched was the one that started everything which was the first toy story so you guys had a chance to watch it right yeah, well, actually, actually, it's it's, it's funny. It's funny enough that that we decided to talk about Pixar films this week because I've been watching Pixar films just kind of naturally over the past few weeks mm-hmm. with my, my my daughter, who's uh, not quite two years old. Um, I've been watching Pixar films around her, and 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 and, and one of those was uh, Toy Story, and it's just it's really interesting watching this film again because one of the things that I noticed is that even though DreamWorks is known or was known, they've, they've kind of changed that by now, but was known as the, the, the animation studio that put in all the pop culture references and the more adult jokes, Toy Story has some really, really funny, quote-unquote, adult humor mm-hmm. in it. Um, and the, the, the film looks like, just, just because it's so dated, it looks like a, a Saturday morning... Uh, kids, PBS. Yeah, one of know. those. All right, kids, we're gonna learn our colors today. <laughs> yeah, like a real, real cheap, yeah. like a uh, KPBS like cartoon. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, what? But but the it's it's written like any other animated film that came out in that era, and it feels like just another animated film with some really well written jokes, some really well written characters. It's got stuff for adults that are going to enjoy it, but it doesn't alienate the kids and it doesn't have anything too inappropriate so the whole family can watch it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really, really funny movie. Yeah. No, and, and that's yeah. actually something really cool about it because I was watching it. It's like, yeah, um, maybe the animation feels very dated and maybe that might be a big turnoff to some people watching it, but it's yeah. still a classic. And I think it's because the characters, you know, the humor that comes from them, from mm-hmm. Woody, Buzz Lightyear, Rex, and even like Mr. Potato Head. Because, yeah, Mr. Potato Head's throwing all these wonderful adult jokes here and there. And they're subtle, but you can you can see them. And yeah. I think that's like yeah. the, the key for a lot of just Pixar films is that they just create really, really entertaining characters. Yeah, absolutely. 
Spielberg. Yeah. And so basically, you know, Pixar comes out with Toy Story. It's a big hit. Everyone loves it. And they make a few more films in between going from, you know, Bugs Life to Monsters, mm-hmm. Inc. But the uh, second film that we watched this past week is, you know, I think a huge game changer, which was Finding Nemo. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but for me, this movie really set the standard for all Pixar movies to follow. I mean, they use a lot of like everything that they're good at, good characters, good story. And if anything, I think what makes this one just so important is that they really show how important the stakes are for the characters. Like you can't really understand what's at stake if you don't introduce this level of danger. And in Finding Nemo, it's everywhere. Like, you know, it's in the ocean, but you know, there's this, you know, Mm -hmm. there's all that danger that exists out there. And it's something I feel like that's kind of like what Pixar has kind of taken everyone to is you shouldn't be afraid to go yeah. there. What? Yeah. Well, well, I was, I was 12 years old when finding Nemo came mm-hmm. out. I saw it multiple times in theaters at the time. It was my favorite Pixar film. That's since changed because they've you know got gone on to make more, more, more films that have evolved upon the things that finding Nemo is set mm-hmm. up. But I, I, I will never forget sitting in the theater and, seeing the opening scene where coral dies yes that's no that is actually a huge that's the reason why i say it's a huge game changer because it's the first time a death scene played a huge part in the main character's backstory you know before then it wasn't really something like there was a the death of like the main villain in a bug's life but that's like towards the very end he's a villain no one cares but the fact that you start off your film with a death scene like that that influences Marlin, you know, the yeah. father, and how that influences how he's very overprotective of Nemo. That just propels the story in mm-hmm. a huge new direction. Because I keep thinking, if they didn't have that scene, you would just see Nemo's father as like being really overbearing and just be like, you know, the Little Mermaid all over again. You just couldn't relate to him. But because that's in there, yeah, it feels like you can understand where Marlin's coming from. And I feel like that's the reason why it- that film is such a great, you know kids as well as an adult film because both audiences can relate to it and that's a really gutsy move for a g-rated film also mm-hmm. i mean i mean how many yeah. movies can you say open up with the main character's entire family being massacred i mean other than machete of course <laughs> that that opened up with this but um it's, it's just it's just really interesting that they would try to pull something like something like that in a g-rated film mm-hmm. and 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 it really goes to show. This is a quick, a quick, quick sidetrack because this, this is related. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's something that something that really annoys me is that a lot of people today. I've, I've been seeing people arguing about how we need to see an R-rated Star Wars film or uh, R-rated film based on a franchise that is usually family friendly. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why? I mean, I mean, just because it's R-rated or because it's quote unquote darker doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a better story. Case in point, Finding Nemo, a G-rated movie that goes to some pretty dark places, and yet it's it still is it's family friendly, but it's a very very high quality film. Yeah. So it's just really inter- interesting in- interesting to me. I mean, I mean, certainly other franchises can use the R rating to their advantage, mm-hmm. but I don't think that necessarily says oh, if it's R rated, it's definitely going to be a more mature. Oh film. no, yeah, and kind of one thing I love about Finding Nemo is like, yeah, there are there are, is all this evidence of like, you know, if they if the characters don't succeed, they will die. But they never go to the length of showing it actually on screen. I mean, yeah, Coral dies in the very beginning, but it's all done off screen. You just know that she's gone. 
and she's out of the picture. And, you know, everyone mm-hmm. says, well, what what happens if we can't get an R-rated, you know, Star Wars film? Well, for those people, it's, it's kind of more if they're just, I feel like they just want the shock value. Whereas when Pixar uses stuff like that, it's more of just this needs to happen to the character. They need to go there. So that way we care more about them. Because at the very end, yeah, mm-hmm. you want Marlon and Nemo to be reunited. And that's what makes, you know, the reunion. The reunion so much more fulfilling. By the way, whenever any one of us says Coral, I'm just picturing Rick Grimes from <laughs> The Walking Dead saying it. <laughs> you had to take it there, didn't you? <laughs> Speaking of dead scenes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, Finding Nemo, that really set the bar for Pixar. And since then, you know, we had uh, probably, I think, the next film that we watched, which I think is also one of Pixar's greatest achievements up, you know, in my opinion, I don't know about you guys, but it's the best example of everything Pixar is great at, you know, characters, jokes, stories, sad moments, danger. It's like, it's all in there. I mean, like the first, you know, part of the sadder than most movies are at all. Pixar pulled off something with up that I have yet to see done in another film. And I know it's kind of cliche to talk about this scene because whenever people talk about Up, they always talk about the first 10 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. but it's 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 true, though. Um, they they establish a character and a character's entire life and his whole backstory mm-hmm. within the first 10 minutes of the movie so you know exactly where he's coming from. And it's it's, it's, it's really interesting, interesting because you could just start Up from the scene where uh, the his... his his uh, alarm clock wakes yeah, him up. Yeah, and morning. he's basically trying to make but, his way out to the porch, and all that construction's going around. Yeah, it. but yeah, and and you could start off the movie like that, and just find out everything you need to know about the character from. Oh, okay, you know, he's wiped out. You can tell because he touched the 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 um, the, the mailbox outside, mm-hmm. and he cares about the house a lot. Um, but the fact that they devote those first ten minutes mm-hmm. so closely to this heart wrenching life story, uh, when he wakes up. That next morning, all of a sudden, you feel connected to this character. You know it, like like even even though he's just getting up out of bed, you know exactly what he's going through. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen that done in a film before. Or since no, and it really makes something like you know the construction guys accidentally running over his mailbox so much more heart wrenching because when that is happening, you and the audience are like, "Oh my gosh, no!" And it's like it's so cool that Pixar can still do mm-hmm. that. It makes us. That's why I think. It's so amazing that they are able to take those kinds of leaps because, and and this is something I actually want to talk about is the reason why I think, you know, it's kind of Pixar is not just only for adults and children is because Pixar in a way, and I've seen this, especially with the Toy Story films, um, they're telling the stories as if their audience is growing up with them. You kind of think about the first Toy Story movie. A lot of the, you know, jokes were a little juvenile until you get to the, you know, Toy Story 3 where it's like they have so many moments of just like that kind of saying goodbye or, you know, you know, Andy's going off and he's all of his toys are bidding him farewell. You kind of feel like you've grown up with these characters and the same thing with up. It's like, I think having us grow up with the old man and seeing what he's been through just makes us really much more attached to him. And that's why I think like all those scenes just are much more heartbreaking just because it's like, we feel it with them. I mean, to go to, you know, talk about growing up a Toy Story, I mean, three of us are pretty 
pretty much the same age. And we, you know, based on when the Toy Story films came mm-hmm. out, we pretty much grew up with with that series, with those sequels. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember like the year uh, the year Toy Story three came out, and he goes to college was like the year I went to college. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it was it's definitely something that's it's kind of close to home if anything so it's like yeah yeah so what what one thing i found interesting about pixar more recently for myself though is that i i personally don't think they're making uh lower quality films for for instance for instance i love the good dinosaur i thought the good dinosaur was a lot of fun but the uh, i i feel i feel this about the good dinosaur and inside out is that those were great movies inside out was an excellent movie uh but coming out of it i i didn't feel any extra oh wow that wasn't a really amazing film and i think it's because i've kind of come to expect a really high bar from pixar films and and they they hit it so consistently mm-hmm. that even when they excel it by a little bit i just come out thinking oh that was that was that was, that was a good movie because it was a good pixar movie mm-hmm. uh but it's 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 an excellent quality film by any other standard so I, so i don't know recently i just kind of felt this this uh not 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 a feeling of being let down which is kind of a feeling of oh that was that was good but nothing special yeah. kind of coming out no of. no I, I definitely see what you're yeah, no, I can understand yeah that. and i definitely see what you're coming at joe and i think that's unfortunately the downside with pixar kind of going forward from here on out is they've raised the bar so high for themselves that even if they come up with a very simple story like the good dinosaur if you think about it it's a very simple story but um kind of going forward now it's like i don't think simple is something they can do anymore you know, they have to kind of almost get really complex unless like, yeah, then our, you know, we have that expectation now. But I feel like as long as like they understand like who the character is, what the character needs to go through. And if anything, just creating that experience for us. I think that's what makes, you know, any Pixar movie worth watching. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, Pixar is always great with, you know, creating original content. And then they come out with sequels. Just because, you know, they know that there's a market for that and a lot of these characters they want to see again. Um, but, you know, you take a look at like its previous sequels. I'm, I'm not including uh, the Toy Story trilogy just because in a way it's its own thing. But, you know, you look at stuff like Monsters Universities and Cars 2. They're kind of more of the forgettable, like more of the black sheeps of uh, Pixar. And I want to actually ask yeah. you guys, you know, why are these ones a little bit more forgettable? Well, I think I think it varies from I think it varies from film mm-hmm. to film. Monsters Incorporated took a, a a a very unique concept. That's that's in a way something very relatable that 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 we that, that we all feel like we've gone through. You know, oh, the monsters in the closet sort of thing. I feel like we've all gone through that at some point as kids, and they made that into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a one-off sort of deal because you make a sequel. Well, the the originality isn't there anymore. The freshness isn't there anymore. So what? So so it's just exploring more in this same world. And Mo- Monsters University, I think, is a fine movie. I I, I actually I actually enjoy all the Pixar sequels that aren't aren't. I mean, I think, again, Toy Story films aside, I I enjoy all the, all all the other sequels. But uh, Monsters University, it's a little bit more forgettable because it's just kind of a side movie it really it feels more like a like a straight to dvd kind of story and which which is fine it was it was a really fun movie um i actually really kind of love cars 2 though as a really? as a the reason i the reason i love it is because it's a great 
James Bond spoof. It is not a deep <laughs> movie. It's not a very, not an incredibly well-made movie. <laughs> it's a very entertaining movie. It's it's it's. Cars Two is a summer blockbuster of Pixar. I films, know. I know. But its biggest its biggest mistake its biggest mistake is making Mater the main character, yeah. which is something Jurassic Park yeah. did. I think Independence Day Two is going to do. They take these comedic side characters and they make them the main vehicle. Get it? Vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of the movie uh, and it brings it down because they're meant to be the side comic yeah it's, it's basically taking like jar jar binks from episode one and doing a oh. whole movie on that it's <laughs> i mean no, there's some people who would want to go see that i mean but... <laughs> i mean I would say better jar jar binks standalone film <laughs> Oh, no, please don't. And okay, so yeah, so we can all agree, like, you know, it, yeah, they're not bad movies. It's just, you know, there's nothing memorable about them, which comes to, you know, the sequel that's coming up, Finding Dory. I mean, kind of like you guys have seen the teasers, the trailers. I mean, is Finding Dory going to kind of fall into one of those sequels that are kind of forgettable? Or do you think it has a chance of standing out as its own? Because from seeing it, it kind of feels like it's just finding Nemo all over again, just Dory's in the picture. Yeah. I feel like it's going to go that mm. route. It's, I, I think it's, I want to say it's going to be better than, than other of the sequels, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's going to be nearly, uh, nearly on par with any, like the standalone uh, films. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to Finding Dory. I loved Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo was one of those films that was a very memorable experience in the theater for me. So, of course, I'm going to go see Finding Dory. I'm probably going to enjoy it. I'm probably going to love it. It's probably going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. From the newest trailer that came out a few weeks ago, I think, at, at this point, it looks like the exact same freaking story as Finding yeah, Nemo, though. pretty much. I mean, complete with... Complete with uh, the person getting lost and then being scooped up by humans and put into some sort of aquarium of sorts. And then the other characters have to go find them, which is fine, whatever. It's a Finding Nemo sequel that's doing the exact same thing. I'll watch it. I'll probably yeah. enjoy it. It's not going to be anything special, though. I'm yeah, kidding. I guess what kind of just I find a little mm -hmm. disheartening about it is, you know, um, well, actually not disheartening, but like Pixar has come out and it has said like, you know, we won't really make a sequel to a film unless there's a story to tell that we haven't told yet. Um, it's been the case for like, hopefully a lot yeah. of films that they've done. Um, and you guys make a point, you know, Finding Dora feels like it's going to be like Finding Nemo again. Um, but I guess I'm kind of just filled with the hope of just, they might be introducing something about Dory's backstory that maybe they weren't able to cover in the first one. And, you know, because her backstory is kind of a mystery. And, you know, I think that's the one reason why they want to bring this to the screen is because there's a story there. So hopefully they can maybe show us something different. Hopefully they can put something in there. But you never know. I'm just happy that they're finally making a sequel to the one Pixar film that everyone has been begging for a sequel. And that is The Incredibles. Yes. How, however, I, I, I'm just a touch worried because I'm a strong believer in that... Uh, creators should be able to make the films that they want to make. And so if they think that they have a story for a certain film, they should go ahead and pursue that story. Now, the fact that they haven't made an incredible sequel yet tells me that they haven't really had any ideas for an incredible sequel and nothing's really come to mind. And yeah, their sequels have been weaker, but you know, uh, they had an idea for Monsters University, you know, Monsters Incorporated spinoff in Monsters University, Finding no Dory, 
no one asked for a Finding Nemo sequel, but obviously they had an idea there. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little worried that they're just caving to people saying, we want an incredible sequel. And now they're going to be forced to think of, all right, well, let's, let's try to think up a sequel to Incredibles because that's what people want. And it's not going to be as organic. I mean, that could be totally unfounded. Who knows? I'm happy we're getting this movie because I love these characters. I, the, the first one was set up for so many different opportunities for a sequel. Um, I'm just a little bit worried that because they're caving to what the audience wants, uh, we might get something a little bit subpar, but yeah, we'll see. We can definitely see. I mean, I guess, like I said, going back to this whole idea filled with hope of, you know, it's, and I'm talking about Incredibles 2 at this point. Um, I think the reason maybe why, like I said, they held off on it so long is because maybe at the time, you're right, Joe, they probably didn't have a story to tell. One of the beautiful phenomenons, actually, in revisiting some of the Pixar movies is I looked at a lot of the ones that Pete Doctor. Um, specifically headed up. He's done Monsters, Inc. He did um, Up. He also did uh, the recent one that came out, Inside Out. And you look at them, you look at Boo from Monsters, Inc. And you look at Riley from Inside Out. And it's almost like he got this inspiration for these ideas from his daughter and watching her grow up. And so kind of just thinking now about, you know, The Incredibles, it's a family, you know, where we have Dash, we have Violet, we have Helen, and you have Mr. Incredible, um, and as well as Jack-Jack. You know, I don't know how old they're going to be in this one, but obviously, you know, Brad Bird probably had some experience as a parent to actually explore his children and actually see, is there more to tell? Because I feel like, you know, what made all these characters just work in Pixar films in general is... They're almost like family to these creators, and they want to see their family grow and mature, and they want to explore these things. So, you know, if there's something worth sharing, I think hopefully it's something original. So it won't feel like it's a knockoff of like, oh, because the audience wants it, we're going to get it. No, I feel like they do have something to say. And that's the hope I have with Pixar. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, I mean, I think this was a really fun talk. I mean, if there's anything else you guys want to say in general about Pixar movies, uh, my favorite Pixar movie is Fritz the Cat. <laughs> and Up was the weirdest film about erectile dysfunction I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, there you go, guys. All this right. uh, just, just bumped it up to 18 plus now for our, for our review. <laughs> so, Joe, thank you. Thank you so much for increasing the rating. It just You had to wait to the end, but you did it. <laughs> Anytime. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast edition of Film Illiterates. If you guys like to follow us, uh, please follow us on our website at www.filmilliterates.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook or Twitter. We always have updates going on. And, you know, whatever Joe feels like posting, he'll post that. Whatever Alex feels like he's doing, he'll uh, he'll do that. But, yeah, um, be sure to catch us next time when we have our podcast. And, you know, always keep watching us and be sure to uh, check out our videos. Sweet. Sweet. Keep it easy. Keep it easy. Easy peasy. <laughs> Keep it easy, rider. Ah, ah. Ah. Easy rider. Yeah. That that's up.